Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics podcast. We host real conversations with real experts from around the world. Away from the filtered bubble of social media, our aim is to educate listeners and explore any topic in the cosmetic and wellness space. We also get a unique insight into the business minds of the entrepreneurs and pioneers who have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general information about procedures and products. You should seek professional medical advice and assessment before considering any treatment. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by BTL Aesthetics, and we're going to discuss the M-Cellar machine today and how it can help with things like urinary incontinence, for example. Yeah, so the M-Cellar device is an interesting one. It looks like a big chair or like a big throne, and I have done this, so I know exactly what it feels like. <laughs> it's uh, using the same technology as the M-Scope, so big, powerful magnets which contract and relax the muscles, um, but this time of the pelvic floor. Is that painful? No, not at all. You you literally feel like some twitching of the muscle, a bit like those little tens machines uh, that uh, okay. maybe you've used for back pain or a physio. Okay. So the purpose of using M cellar for the pelvic floor is many women, but also men, but it's probably targeted more for women have issues with the pelvic floor when they've had multiple pregnancies, weakening of the muscles, also menopause where things just change naturally with the change in the hormones. And so you know people can get embarrassing leaks um, of of urine called urinary incontinence. Okay. So it's an amazing new uh, device which I guess opens up a new avenue for non-surgical clinics because it's a completely non-invasive device. Okay. You sit on the chair. I think the session lasts for up to 30 minutes and it's like doing those Kegel exercises. Have you ever done them, David? <laughs> You've <laughs> not, not done not, them not, to improve your, your, your ejaculation? Not, not this week, no. <laughs> Okay. Maybe but I should. <laughs> basically, it's the same feeling and sensation as that, but the machine is doing it for you okay. and it's rapidly doing it. So you're getting uh, approximately 11,000 contractions in your half an hour session. Sounds like a cheap gym membership. Yeah, exactly. But it's something you'd never be able to do on your own. Yeah, or want to probably. Uh, well, it depends and- on how bad your incontinence is, yeah, I guess. Yeah, true. Okay. But joking aside, it's, it's an incredible new machine. It's literally could sit in your you know, in in the corner of a room in your clinic, absolutely no therapists or, or any sort of training involved once you understand how to use the machine. And clients have reported, you know, huge increase in their quality of life, obviously uh, reduction in urinary incontinence, but also sexual function, yeah. which is also an important part of the pelvic floor. Absolutely. So if people want uh, more information on the M-Cellar machine or any of the other equipment that BTL sell, you can head over to btlaesthetics.com. Enjoy the podcast. Our guests today are Nicole Prance and June Worry. Nicole is the founder of Pro Cosmetic Tattoo based in Brisbane. She has over 15 years experience and has become the leading tattoo artist for nipple reconstruction after breast cancer surgery in Queensland. June is the owner of Beauty Effects in Toowoomba and has over 16 years of experience in the field of cosmetic tattooing, having trained some of the biggest names in the industry. Nicole and June set up the Permanent Cosmetic Culture Conference to showcase their art and share ideas with other professionals in the industry. Good morning, Nicole and June. Good morning. Good morning. How are you both today? You've both flown down from Queensland to see us. Yeah, great. We came down last night. It was a bit of a hairy flight. It was very bumpy. A bit mm. rainy, a bit bumpy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it was quite sad that. to see all Sydney the smoke. Sydney has been a bit weird recently. Yeah. yeah it's terrible. What, what's the smoke situation where you guys are? 
not too bad. No, when we had the uh, sunfire, sunshine coast fly, uh, fires, that was really, really bad. Um, yeah. But now, yeah, it's okay. Not, not you too, guys have got some, is there some flooding going up in Queensland at the moment? Apparently not, last night. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's one, yeah. one extreme sure. to the other. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, thank you both <laughs> for flying down. We really appreciate your time. So you're both medical cosmetic tattooists. That's more Nicole. Okay. She's She's the medical guru and yourself and i'm just more aesthetic i guess you know passion for women just in general to be honest great but are you saying you don't see men at all then uh no (laughs) but i am married so i see that man (laughs) is that because men don't seek out cosmetic tattooing or just 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 not your scope of practice because being in toowoomba i'm such a conservative clientele Mm -hmm. um i do have an occasional uh couple of male clients that come in for a little bit of brow sculpting and and things like that but just generally where I'm located yeah, it's female no it's my clientele is women and okay. I love it and just um excuse my ignorance but what, what's the difference between uh, an aesthetic cosmetic tattooist and a medical is that is just the type of patients that you're seeing or is it a different yep. approach technique exactly right a slightly different technique so in medical tattooing we tend to take a bit more of a body tattoo approach large needle configurations um a little bit more of that body sort of element to it. Yeah, I think it's just a different form of art. Like Nicole definitely does the brows, liner and lips as I do as well, but she has a massive passion for reconstructing and creating uh, nipple, like areola work on on women who have been through enough already. And if you can kind of give back that little bit to women. Yeah, amazing. I think is just wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. because Dr. Moradi was talking about that a number of podcasts ago about the reconstructive phase of say a breast reduction or lift where you may need to move the nipple or the nipple needs to be recreated. So that's that super 3D type of effect that you can create with a cosmetic uh, medical tattoo. That's slightly different. So the breast lift, they would literally just move the nipple. Right. Whereas if you've had a breast reconstruction Uh, and literally had say your tummy muscles and fat making a breast then you have no nipple and then this is where Nicole comes in exactly it's a completely flat canvas no surface whatsoever so we'll create um, a 3D nipple unless the surgeon has created that already so you can actually have a bit of a nipple reconstruction as well Um, you've still got a tattoo with shading but yeah there's there's two different types of of reconstruction in that way we will get into all of that so Nicole why don't we start with you I can see you've got amazing body art is that what inspired (laughs) you to get into or is it the other way around No, this is actually sort of a little bit of educating myself, really. There's no formal training in this. So um, a lot of these tattoos that you're looking at are probably 10, 15 years old. And it's me just watching the artist, trying to figure out how it's done. Right, okay. Um, I was very interested in art, combine the two, um, did a little bit of makeup and um, somehow found myself um, tattooing nipples in Brisbane. So. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> it was never my uh, my planned career. It so. wasn't like uh, marked out in some sort of yearbook in you know your last <laughs> year of high school. This is what you were going to go on and do. Absolutely not. But it's just growing and growing. So, um, yeah, I'm very, very grateful. It, unfortunately, there's a big market for it, you know, which is a shame. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like one in two people get diagnosed now. So, yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a very scary statistic. Mm-hmm. And how about yourself, June? So 
Is there any formal way of getting into aesthetic cosmetic tattooing? Um, I, I guess I just kind of fell into it. So I went off to beauty college and, and did that in, do I have to divulge the year? Because then that kind of <laughs> might no. give away. <laughs> give us a circle if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so did that. And my first boss at the time was uh, doing cosmetic tattooing and left her and opened my own business and then just kind of fell into it back in the day. And I don't know this for a fact, but I think when I started in 2005, I was 23. So there we go. And I might've been one of Australia's youngest at that time. Mm. However, now a lot of 20 year olds are, you know, jumping on board and yeah, and whatever seems else. to be the Instagram thing to do. Yeah, very much. Eyebrow specialist. But the training back then to what is available now is worlds apart. Right. Because we never had, well, social media. We didn't have Facebook groups. We didn't have all these international artists flying in for masterclasses and things like that. So a lot of it was trial and error ourselves, uh, you know, on the phone a lot to my trainer at the time and we didn't even have uh, SMS texts. (laughs) So, you know, it was a really tough way to begin this industry. Internet's uh, shaped a lot of industries, not just our industry. I mean, I didn't see it. We were talking about bonsai before. I mean, the the, the art world... um, like people's ability to connect and share techniques and ideas and inspirations are just elevating, I think, every facet of art, 100%. whether it's medicine. So you can look at something that someone's doing in the Czech Republic and go, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. How do you know, you can actually see it being done. And it's the same for, you know, Jake with injectables as 100%. well. You just were exponentially, you know, our ability to communicate is, is well, making everything better. This morning we were on the phone to a lady in America yeah. learning some, you know, little tips and tricks from her and it was just amazing whereas back in the day we just didn't have that yeah so are you guys big on instagram are you sort of using it to leverage your business or showcase your work or definitely definitely but i use instagram um like my page is 99 percent business mm-hmm. um i'm not one to put photos of myself sure. shopping on the beach that's <laughs> yeah. just not my personality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and each to their own. Uh, but I just, and I try not to share my kids too much or anything like that. So I just, I really just want to showcase my work, my clients' experiences, reactions, and I'm really proud of my journey and how far I've come. That's great. And have you found that your business has developed as a result of using that or is it just something that's there in the background? Uh, I'd say a bit of both, to be honest. Definitely Instagram helps. But I think Instagram, particularly where I live, uh, being a very conservative market, Instagram just confirms to clients my reputation or... It's almost like your portfolio. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And it's just easier. Like if people are like, oh, send me through some photos. No worries. Happy to do that. Otherwise, feel free to flick through my page and you might see something there that you feel resonates well with you. Yeah, absolutely. Just for the people who don't know, where is Toowoomba? <laughs> West, yeah. <laughs> West of Brisbane. Okay. So we're actually Australia's second largest inland city. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, people that. don't realise. What's the biggest? Tamworth? What? No, uh, oh. Canberra. Ah, uh, yeah. So that's basically New South Wales anyway, really. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> <controversial>. <laughs> well, either direction that you head out of Canberra, you're back in New South Wales again. It's You do realise like, you've got three clinics yeah, in Canberra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, yeah. <laughs> I love Canberra, but yeah, I've always thought, oh, it's just a little bit of carved out New South Wales. I went, ah, oh, that's Canberra. Yeah. yeah. 
Fair enough. And uh, how about you, Nicole? Well, how do you leverage your business and Instagram, etc.? A slightly different um, approach for me, actually, being in Brisbane. I don't know if it's because it's a bigger city, but Instagram for me starting out was huge. I got loads of business through Instagram. So yeah. it's quite exhausting. You've got to make sure you're posting, you know, at least once a day um, and keeping on top of that. I've just started doing more lives now, which has been really quite scary, but yeah. just trying to get a face in front of the camera. Do you guys do that? Well, actually, I should actually do it right now while we're talking. <laughs> we are kind of discussing how we're going to evolve the podcast. And yeah. uh, we were thinking of doing a live, well, it won't be a podcast unless we record it, yeah. but it'll be a live chat. So yeah. we're just yeah. thinking of guests who firstly might be up for it because like you said it's pretty oh, okay. full on yeah but um i might take a back seat on that one on the, <laughs> yeah. on the full live run <laughs> but, but i think you know you, well certainly it's completely unedited and you know just having a chit chat but i think it will just tap into a different uh listener group people who are just there oh you know they just sit pop up, up on their phone and That's they it. just dip in rather than having to subscribe to the podcast yeah. and i think people like to see faces and connect and whatever else and yeah I, I I don't know. I'm really I love lives. Yeah, yeah. you do. I do You've them been doing them for years, haven't you? Watch I don't need you to start. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be doing some lives. Yeah, we have to. Um, so I guess just to rewind things a little bit, I think that um, probably a lot of people know what cosmetic tattooing is, but I guess for the benefit of people that don't, can you just explain um, what the difference is between, like, say, a regular tattoo? I mean, I've got tattoos. You guys have got tattoos. What's the difference between a cosmetic? Is it a different needle? Is it different ink? Like. What is it? There's been a lot of talk on this over the years. It was definitely two very different industries, but essentially it's all ink under the skin. I think what we're learning is just that the face fades quicker, right? Yeah. And we don't yeah. outline as much. We certainly use smaller needles because it's a little bit more delicate and maybe perhaps a thicker pigment, but it's still all ink in the skin. So there's a huge thing. Everybody says it's going to fade away. It's not permanent. It is. It is definitely permanent. So There'll be, uh, in most cases, 99% of cases, uh, a residue left in the skin. Forever. Because you're creating <laughs> that um, little bit of, I don't want to use the word trauma because that's a little bit too much, but you're creating, you know, some marks in the skin and, and you know, implanting that colour and whatever. And, and the hardest thing is with us, like, tattooing the face our face is subjected to the environmental factors every day. Whereas with our bodies, you know, you might be covered in body tattoos, but might live in cooler climates and they never see the sun mm. and, you know, they, they don't see the weather and, and things like that. And, and women, the products that some women use on their faces as well mm. de definitely have an impact um, yeah, retinols, on the, all that. Yeah. All the peels. Yep, and as you said, exactly. retinols, those exfoliating yeah. Type so products, yeah. a lot of myths are around that, particularly the word microblading. Have you heard of yeah. that one? Yeah. Yeah. People say, oh, I don't want to get tattooed. I just want to be microbladed. <laughs> yeah. It's like the difference between like liposuction, liposculpture. Right. It's like different terms for essentially a very similar procedure. Yeah. 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 That's it. David and I were actually talking just off camera before about that because we were, you know, discussing some topics that we we're going to talk to you about. And I realized that I slipped into exactly what clients that come to me do where we say oh my god did you see her eyebrows or oh my god did you see xyz we only remember the bad examples mm -hmm. yeah and mm -hmm. you know i don't know much about microblading which is why you're here but you know it has this uh perception from my perspective of of like looking a bit fake and done sometimes which is exactly the same as injectables you know oh, yeah. so you know people like yourselves who are skilled i'm sure that doesn't come into it but 
there's a whole spectrum of people like yourself in terms of skill level and I think that we pick up on that as men particularly because it's not our thing we just see like you know caterpillar eyebrows foreign <laughs> foreign looks on. yeah other looks you can see when they've just been done because I see some of like girls in my clinics in New York I can tell that you've had your yep. eyebrows done then I've also seen the opposite end of the spectrum where they look quite faded or they look red or green or yeah, yeah. they blue. definitely lose and then only look good when you put time. makeup over the top again so yep. yeah yeah they definitely change color over time that that is a fact that your body is going to break down that ink differently so there is some maintenance involved um, which is why I guess it's kind of not called permanent because we're still kind of having to maintain it over time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but everybody thinks microblading is a very natural look. Mm. Um, in some cases it can be depending on the technician's skill. Um, but in other cases it can just look, you know, just lines on the skin flat. Um, yeah. So it's, it's not natural in my opinion. No. So, so I jumped in and um, lost your chain of thought. So we were going to explain what microblading is. What is it? <laughs> Good question. Um, it's essentially cutting the skin um, almost like little paper cuts and then putting an ink mask over the top. Right. Um, the little lines that you create are supposed to mimic hair. And then you put the ink on, the ink absorbs through, the skin heals over, and then you have nice lines in the skin that so, looks like hair. So is it textured? Um, the needles are, the needles can be... Um, Do you mean the final result or the needles? I, I guess both. So if, if you run your finger over a done healed result does it still feel flat and smooth yeah well it should do right but not not in all cases am I <laughs> yeah if am I allowed to say that? yeah cool, of course yeah <laughs> yeah sadly there's um so what happens with our world is a lot of students go off and learn this technique in one to five days yeah so it takes four years to be a hairdresser yes and hair grows back right but yet um artists are going off and, and learning this technique and then turning around and, and charging whatever amount yeah. for that. Yeah. And so when cosmetic tattooing is done correctly, you should just be able to run your finger over and it feel like a smooth service mm -hmm. surface. However, with um, your microblading or even machine work that is done poorly, it actually feels like railway tracks. Yeah, yeah that's how I imagine because skin. of how it looks. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like almost scarification. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm assuming brows. that's from pushing too deep mm -hmm. into the yeah. skin. Yeah, Definitely. and wrong skin types as well. Microblading yeah, right. can only be executed really really well with the right skin type. So people perhaps that are, um, have a, a tendency to get keloid scars perhaps, maybe not suitable, Definitely is that what you mean? Not. So yep. like Polynesian skin types maybe, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, even, you know, for where I live, a lot of sun damaged skins. Mm. Um, a lot of my country clients that have come in off farms have, you know, been out in the land for 40 years and yeah. come into town and then all of a sudden what their brows microbladed, well, idea, I'm yeah. really sorry. Yeah. Your skin's not going to um, be a good candidate for this. Okay. So you're creating what looks like little hairs to thicken or slightly lengthen or, or shape an eyebrow. Yeah, absolutely. That's it, really. Um, really, really good in cases where there's been complete hair loss, alopecia, someone's um, had cancer treatment. Mm. So it can be really valuable for those cases. Um, but microblading, it was really, really hot about four years ago, wasn't yeah. it, when it yeah. came out? Um, but like the education was really, really bad back then. The, the method was just microblade everybody and then everybody <laughs> was doing that and then they were learning that actually the skins weren't working for that so everyone's kind of taken a back seat. Backtrack. And now 
machine work is coming back in, to be honest. A lot yeah. of people are right. jumping okay. on that, yeah. which is good. Um, but yeah, if you wanted to be a tattooist tomorrow, you could literally go and do a course for one day, yeah. maybe not even tattoo a human and then just set up shop. So what does the machine look like and how do you use it? Um, so they come in various different forms. You can have traditional coil machines. Um, you can, what we tend to use is more of a pen style device. Um, we don't tend to sterilize now. It's all cartridges. So mm. you just uh, put your machine together and then half of it goes in the bin, right. which is a lot more sterile. Um, the microblading, um, just to explain a little bit further, you get a little blade and you put it into a disposable hand piece and you twist it together and then you dip into your ink and you basically scratch onto the skin. Right. Yeah? And it's then like a you little put scalpel. your mask on top. It's so like a you're scalpel, yeah. Inking and cutting at the same time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So you don't want to screw up really, do you? No. no. And a lot of people <laughs> go too deep and then the brown that you've put in will shine through blue when it's healed. I've seen that. On yeah. So many yeah. clients on my yeah. bed. So and that's too deep. I'm that's like, too that deep. And then if you're too light in the skin, it tends to come through red. Yeah. yeah, a little bit more pink. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, right. So how do you how do you work out how to what depth you need to go to? Is that sort of similar to I guess injectables? It's just Trial feel, and experience. feel yeah, yeah, and understanding experience. skin. I think understanding skin is so important mm. because we're all um, you know, my mother-in-law who is in her 70s has better skin than some 20-year-old clients. So I'm able to, you know, treat her that way. But some of my 20-year-old clients, you know, you've just got to, you look at the skin and you can kind of assess um, their dryness or rosacea or, you know, whatever it is that yeah. they've got going on in their skin. And then you're like, radio, my experience tells me I need to do this, this and this to make. Can you use any colour on any skin type? I mean, obviously cosmetically so it looks good but are there any some issues? ethnic skins we just need to be a little bit wary okay. darker skin types yeah yeah okay and, yeah. and on the other end of the scale too i find that redheads are pretty oh, yeah. hard because their skin's almost like translucent yes yeah, yeah and with a strong blue undertone sometimes so yeah it's definitely an element of cooling down browns and warming them up yeah okay, so that can take quite a few years to understand very much it's yeah. now making more sense to me. A lot of my clients have said, oh, I've had my eyebrows done and, and they put cream on and it still really hurt. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I, I've never understood that you're like cutting the yeah. skin. But machine method is, um, in my opinion, a lot softer and kinder to the skin. So that's my chosen method of, of treating clients. And if clients that I've done in the past have had microblading done and then machine work, they will always prefer machine work because okay. you'll heal quicker. You know, you retain color better. And yeah, they just um, enjoy the whole process a lot better. Does the machine, um, I guess, calibrate the depth a bit better? So you're so you're not overshooting or undershooting. Is it more controlled? No, no. no again, no. you need to you need to be able to uh, put put the needle in the the correct layer of the skin, don't you? The, yeah. the machine's good because it's more of a stamping method. It's more of a soft sort of um, scatter into the skin of ink, isn't yeah. it? Um, rather than that slicing. It's like a pitter patter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As opposed to, yeah, just that slice. And when you have the microblading done, you actually hear that. Yeah, have you heard it? No, mm -hmm. no. It sounds like um, ripping Velcro. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> the, the things we do to ourselves, right? You're I not know. going to volunteer to do a live microbade on yourself? <laughs> I don't mind my eyebrows. Out. They're very nice. So is everyone a good candidate for this procedure? I mean, in terms of, you said there's certain ethnicities you have to be careful with in terms of ink selection, perhaps uh, the way that they heal with scars and so on. But it, is it something that if someone's like got reasonable skin and they, it, it's something that everyone can do? Machine method, I would say yes, most cases, definitely. Okay. Um, I, there's not too many clients that I would kind of look at and go, oh, sorry, I can't be of service to you. So, yeah. Hmm. So, we're doing uh, eyebrows? Yes. Um, are you doing things like lips, eyeliner? Eyeliner, yep. eyeliner. and lips, yep. Um, hair. I've seen people doing hair now, like <laughs> trying to get my Scalps. look. Yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> your look. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. So, um, that's, is that, is that's, I mean, maybe that's, that's a, a, separate, a separate topic we'll get onto maybe, but yep. uh, that's the same technique in terms of like a, it's a cosmetic tattoo, you're using yeah. a needle, it's just you're creating dots rather than yes. strokes. Exactly yep. right, yep. yeah. There's definitely a skill in that. I did train in that, but uh, honestly, for me, it was quite a long process. I, it's not; it's quite boring for me to do that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I really, really uh, value the people that do that because for me, it's like a lot of dots. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a lot of work. You go a bit mental, I think. By the same as like surgeons who implant the hair, it's just yes, a lot of hairs. It's just exactly very monotonous. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and lips are good. Um, but same thing with lips. You know, there's only certain clientele you can do that on. So we're very scared of tattooing um, darker lips because of hyperpigmentation yeah. and whatnot. So that's a pretty risky game as well, isn't it? Yeah. One of the things that I've seen, and again, I'm probably just quoting the bad stuff, which is probably not the reality. That's more fun talk, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> but I've seen a lot of, and to be honest, they're older women. Maybe it's just a, a dated technique where they've had tattooing years ago and it's they've got like an orange strip around their lips. Yeah, just, yeah. just very... Yeah, that was very 90s. Odd. That's okay. how I originally got trained back in the day. Well, was that the original colour or has it changed over time? Well, probably a bit of both. It, you've got the potential of that. But yeah, we there were, um, I remember one of my very first clients, you know, many, many years ago that, yeah, it was pretty much just an orange line on the outside of yeah. the lips. Yeah. We don't tend to tattoo outside of the lips, but back in the day, they definitely yeah. used to. Yeah. yeah. They, okay. they took a very strong like body tattoo approach to makeup tattooing, the really heavy machines. There was no numbing and they would just pin someone back and just slam in the ink. Wow. So a lot of that... <laughs> Sounds lovely. Like doing a lip filler without any anaesthetics. Just like, I know. A lot of that um, tattooing the eyeliner, it's been around for, you know, 30, 40 years and it can be very strong and blue looking. Okay. A bit like, you know, some of my on here how yeah. it's faded over time okay so we've spoken about i guess the different colors and skin types how do you go about designing a brow because obviously you've got the color mm -hmm. but you know i see like lots of different shapes you've got like more of the cat light look or like very now you see like i think the looks in now the really chunky eyebrows seem to the be in look yeah um, yeah I don't know how people are going to fare in 30 years' time when that's not in fashion <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I think that depends on location, yes. honestly, because there's a there's a, a, a city near where I'm from um, back home and um, they love a very strong brow. Um, they love a really, really strong brow. That's their look. And then we've got a Singapore artist coming over to our conference and they're all about super delicate, super fine, no arch, really, really flat Asian-style brow. So I think location is important. 
important yeah. and then technician style as well. And I think age brackets, don't you feel? Like yeah. I find um, the way I design for maybe a 20-year-old is going to be quite different to the way I'm going to design for a 60-year-old. So just having that experience once again on designing for all ages, I think the eldest or I should say the youngest I've done is 83. Mm, right. So that's a very different look to, you know, someone in their mid-twenties that love that really bold look. But admittedly, she rocks the bold look. Yeah, So absolutely. I just think if you can get away with it. See, Brooke Shields was ahead of her time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I would assume that ethnicity might pay a part in design choice as well. Definitely. I just did a client the other week um, who was Indian and it was a really dramatic winged eyeliner. Yeah, right. And she looked, um, she looks like a supermodel. She's just stunning. But I, and you know, you put that page on social media and you, and you get either lots of love or lots of people inboxing, Ooh, you know, I definitely don't want this or whatever. And I'm like, but that's for her. Of course. Yeah. And she suits that. So it's just, it's fun to design yeah. these individual looks for everyone. You see a lot of people, whether they be cosmetic injectors or perhaps even purple like yourselves, where you tend to, Sometimes you get boxed into a niche. So you'll treat, like you might treat a couple of Indian clients and do that look. And then those people go, they'll put things up on social media and then it'll attract more people who want that yep. look. And then all of a sudden your whole Instagram page yeah, is, is that. like that same Definitely. look. And then yeah. people go, oh, I don't want to go to that person because yeah. I don't want that look. But yeah. they don't realize that you are capable of more. But sometimes just You're just by, catering for that need at that yeah, time. Yeah, and then yeah. you get known for it. And it's hard to sometimes break that that stigma or that uh, what people sort of define you as. In Very terms much. Of, yeah. Going back to the design, I've been really interested to see um, some of the cosmetic tattooists on Instagram where they're very meticulous with their measurements and the mapping, drawing, yeah, mapping, let's call it that. And I've often wondered why we as injectors don't take it to that level because, you know, we're still trying to maintain symmetry and what you're trying to do. But the weird thing about beauty is that if you're exactly symmetrical, it can look a bit odd. Yeah, yeah. very much. And I so say I'm this all the time. I'm curious to know how you tweak that. Yeah, um, this is what I say to my clients. We're not symmetrical, otherwise we'd be aliens. So don't be getting your ruler out and sort yes. of measuring how big this one is to this one. You've just got to do it face on. You know, the bone structure might be different on the side. Yeah. The tail might flow differently, but as long as it looks you know, pretty good. To the human eye, even, it needs to, to the look human eye, symmetrical. Um, yeah, nothing is symmetrical. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you, you just got to eyeball it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But is that difficult for you to explain to your clients? Because they, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't believe that. Yes, exactly right. So normally once you get the drawer up and, and it's a beautiful eyebrow, it, it's fine anyway. But yeah, I always explain it will never be 100% symmetrical. It can't be. No. Yeah. And then when you get the photo taken, the photo flips as well. Yes, yeah, so, have you ever taken a picture of yourself and put like the right side and your right side together? Yeah, I do that yeah. very occasionally to show people yeah. you're clearly not symmetrical. You look weird. Or if you do two <laughs> right sides and, and like you said, you look a bit alien-y or a bit Absolutely. robotic. It's just not normal. No. Yeah, okay, it's interesting. So what happens if someone goes for the bold look, say in their 20s or their early 30s, and then mm -hmm. they hit 50 and they go, you know what, um, <laughs> this ain't working for me anymore. I think that might happen to a few people. And how do you, how do you, yeah, <laughs> how do you undo that? Is it a matter of going getting like a laser tattoo removal or is it just like you like 
Sorry, you it made would, a bad decision yeah. and now you're stuck with it. <laughs> I mean, a bit of both, to be honest. It would it would depend. I mean, from with my approach, I do say to people, I want you to like me in 10 years time, not hate me. So I'm not going to give you, you know, crazy eyebrows. Um, and if you want that, I'm just not the artist for you. Because, yeah, you don't want people to... We follow trends, you know, you'll know that too. So when I was growing up, it was thin eyebrows. We would never have big eyebrows. And now it's all the big eyebrows. So you just got to be careful. Yeah. I say just in the middle, timeless classic. And yeah, it's great because all the trends. women who have plucked their eyebrows 20 years ago are coming to you for big fat eyebrows now. So it's yeah. Great. yeah, me, I'm first in line. <laughs> yeah, right. Is there potentially um, a move to create like a semi-permanent? So at least maybe it lasts a couple of years and then it fully comes out and then you've got an option to sort of change your mind or is that not practical in, in the real world with well, the way the, the inks work? It's definitely marketed that way, but I just don't believe that that's the case. You know, microblading is marketed as a temporary thing that comes off in a year or 18 months. But from what I've seen... A l the brown does though, let's be honest. But you're left and you're with, left the, with the blue stone. or red. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. So it, it is semi-permanent so in that respect. It's a little bit disingenuous respect. advertising, isn't yeah. it? It's semi-permanent. What we mean by semi is only some of the colour comes out. Yeah. <laughs> right. But exactly. this is the thing, it's not spoken about in our industry yeah. and you well, know, now it is. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. And when clients come in and uh, sadly, a lot of my clients have had um, ill experiences elsewhere and I'm like, oh, did your previous artist say that you're not a right candidate for microblading nope. because of your skin, because of this, this and this? And they're like, oh, no, I was not given any other option. And I think as artists, it's really important that we're able to cater different techniques for different clients yeah. because n we're not a one size fits all industry. Mm-mm. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the world of tattooing, I mean, in general, whether it be cosmetic or, you know, just general body art has progressed so, so far. Much. I mean, it's gone from being something that only, I guess, criminals get done or people that yeah. look you're a bit dicey. <laughs> Sailors. Yeah, sorry. Sailors. Yeah. Sailors. Yeah, yeah. Um, to these are now genuine artists, people that are going to getting fine arts degrees and they're, you know, you watch them draw freehand and you're like, wow, these, this is not just someone, you know, holding a needle and, and sort of having a go. This is someone that's gone through um, serious training, has an aesthetic eye, they're, they're artists. So mm -hmm. we're definitely seeing that move across all, you know, both cosmetic and general definitely, body art tattooing. Definitely. Yeah. So it's, it's good to see. It's it very. It seems to be coming a lot more of a, res a respectable trade now to do these sorts of things. Definitely, definitely. And you can really um, admire the artists in the body tattooing world or the cosmetic tattooing world that are always the hungry for education. Yeah. Because I think it it's important that we know our fundamental knowledge, but you know we've got to go learn every year off other people to go. Oh, just one little tweak in a technique or something like that can make a world of a difference for your clients and your own reputation. Because yeah. it changes all the time and you'll have this too. S stuff that you were doing two years ago, you're not doing now, you're changing it. It just changes all the time, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Everything that you guys are saying is the same as injectables. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> so tell me, because am I allowed to ask you a question? Of course you are, yeah. Put me on the spot. <laughs> oh, good. I'm just going to get some popcorn. Uh, <laughs> Jake in the hot seat. Do you have suppliers come out with different needles? And then do they educate you on, you know, this needle's better than the needle two years ago because of it, whatever reason? It does reason? happen. I mean, the needles that come with our fillers, for example, are supplied with the packet and they're just very standard. And as far as I know, they've never changed. But 
you'll have third party companies designing thinner needles, more comfortable needles, okay. longer, thinner, whatever. You know, there'll be a, a reason for why it's been tweaked. Um, so normally it's for comfort. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, you might get a, a rep come out with a handful of needles and you might do a little trial and yeah, it's all a bit anecdotal. You just say to your client, Look, I'm going to do one side with the old set. The, the old needle, this side with the new one, and you just tell me what you think. And mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it's not something that happens a lot. You know, there's only so many needles that are on the market. Um, the main one is the cannulas, so oh, yeah. to oh, deliver yeah. our I've fillers. And, you know, I've got my own particular um, brand that I like, I'm going to say it, it's TSK. Um, and <laughs> everyone seems to love them just because they're very comfortable, but they've got a little bit of flexibility, but not too much. Um, so, yeah. So you find the biggest uh, changes in your industry with the injectables is more the product? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's the, the character, the lift, um, the longevity, all of these things that, you know, basically our clients are asking for or expecting. Um, so with some of the older fillers years ago, you know, on the box it would say lasts up to a year, two years, and, and that certainly wasn't the case. And so that leads to a lot of dissatisfaction. Yeah. Whereas nowadays you really want to hang your hat on what you tell your clients, obviously. Very much. So, yeah, that, that's really the push um, sort of feel uh, looking natural, feeling natural, and longevity. Yeah, it's just mirror. It's exactly the same. <laughs> exactly <isn't it? laughs> the same. Like we've just got onto this pigment range or ink range we've been using for the last twelve months, and it's been a total game changer for our our clients and our um, businesses. Yeah, I should come to one of your conferences. I'd love really absolutely. Yeah. Yes. November. 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 There you go. There <laughs> we okay. go. You go. Birthday Yay. weekend. Well, it's your birthday as well. Yeah. Oh, it's my birthday in November too. Oh, Is it? Three Scorpios. Yeah. Well. Ooh. <laughs> there you go. So, how do you go about assessing a patient for color, um, design? And then I know that's something that Jake, well, not just Jake, but I guess all injectors struggle with from time to time is making get, trying to get on the same page as your client because you'll have certain clients so you can look at them you're the expert you have a fairly good idea about what's going to work for them but the client has a completely Meeting different expectations. idea yeah how do, how do you go about that process in terms of um agreeing on a design if you've got initially differing views and then you know like that that process from there how does that tend to work for you guys i mean for me we have to both agree and at the end of the day if if we're not both happy then we just don't do the job yeah. Yeah, because it's just not much. worth that small payment to then have problems down the track <laughs> yes. you know so you just think i like people to be realistic yeah. in the results that they can expect and um I think that I've got a pretty idea, good idea of what looks good and um, it's nice to work together. But yeah, if something, if they want me to tattoo something that I know is not right, then I just won't do it. Yeah. Very and that's much. part of the danger yeah. as well. I mean, we've spoken about all the benefits of social media and our ability to communicate, but yeah. patients, um, clients are becoming very, very well informed. They're yep. educating themselves so they can come in. Like I know Jake will have a client that comes in and they know what product they want, where they want it, how much, how many meals they want, where, and it's sort of like, well... Hold on a second. I mean, it's great that you you're educated, but like I'm the expert. Yeah, yeah that's um, exactly right. You yeah, know, as Jake yep. likes, you know, you don't walk into a restaurant and tell a chef how the to chef cook. How I mean, to you cook. might tell them it's medium rare, but you, know, you go in there and <laughs> you know you're not telling them what ingredients to use, and no. you sort of got to trust that you're handing you handing over responsibility to the yeah, expert. Definitely. Definitely. And I, I think that's just all part of the client vetting process as well, to be honest. Yeah. Yep. So if I come in and, and like Nicole said, you know, if we're doing a consultation and I can just feel within my gut that it's not a relationship that we should go on with, I'll, um, I'll sack a client. I did 
the other week. And do you do the Donald Trump thing? You're fired. Or do you- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I might try that. You're fired. <laughs> No, it's it's a it's an awkward conversation to have, but it's such yeah. an important one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, yeah. You know, like you said, you don't want months of emails and texts, texts and, and worry, all that stuff. Yep. Sl- sleepless nights. It's just not worth it for. Uh, what do what do you charge for something like microblading? I mean, you'd have to say your price. No, but what, that's what's okay. The- I'd say in Brisbane, you can get anywhere from probably about five or six hundred dollars, and then I've seen it up to about thirteen hundred dollars. Yeah, that's yeah what for I a session, and then maybe should. an additional cost for a touch up down the track. I think average is probably around seven or eight. But it depends on your skill set and I guess what materials you're using and yeah. whatever else. So how long would it take to get my eyebrows done if I wanted my mic my eyebrows <laughs> microbladed? I block out two and a half hours. Two and a half hours, right? Yeah. yeah. So two and a half hours, you've got some numb time, drawing time, um, selection of colour, and then probably anywhere between forty five to an hour of tattoo. And then the rest of it is just uh, chit chat. Yeah, chit chat consultation. What do you use to numb? Um, lidocaine, yeah. Is it, it's like a cream. Yeah, cream. So in Queensland, we've got different laws on, on what you can use as numbing. So you tend to have to get a prescription. Yes. Uh, lidocaine tends to be the, just the topical. General, con- yeah. yeah. Um, you can use Emla with no prescription. Yes. And then once you've opened the skin, you can use a secondary as well. Interesting. Um, but honestly, a lot of it is technique. So if you have decent uh, needles and you're not going too deep and you can get the ink in there and you're not tattooing for hours and hours, you shouldn't need a lot of numbing stuff anyway. Well, we've got a girl presenting at our conference in November and she's demonstrating painless lips. Yeah, so she no tattoos her lips with anesthetic. no anaesthetic. Wow. Yeah. She's a Russian artist. and wow. um, yes. Well, it's similar to inject as well. I mean, we keep drawing these parallels, but I mean, I've been injected by... Um, injectors before and you just feel like you've just stepped out of a Friday the 13th mm-hmm. movie and then <laughs> yep. you know someone like yourself Jake you know like oh, you've done stuff for me before and it's it's relatively a non-event to be honest with you so uh, uh, I I've had that with yeah. injections too I've had some lip fillers and it's just been awful and bruised and yeah. really really <laughs> yeah. like awful at the time and then other ones where it's been quite quite comfortable yeah so, thank yeah. you David that's okay <laughs> pay me later um <laughs> So do you have to shave off the eyebrow before you do it? How do you work around that? And like, how, how do you sort of see what you're doing with hair in the way and blood and all sorts of things that are probably uh, distorting your field? How, how do you sort of navigate around those sort of challenges? I love to work in, like, I only remove the hairs if they're ridiculously out of my design. Yeah. Um, so I'll maybe tweeze them out or I've got like a little eyebrow razor. Um, individual like a little disposable tool for every client that I'll just shave around Mm -hmm. the area but I try and use as much hair as I can particularly if I'm creating hair strokes with my machine I'll use the hair to help me design the natural flow and design Mm. of where the hair is going so yeah I'm all for hair yeah, but in body tattooing we shave it off and then tattoo so it can be a little tricky yeah, okay. So after microblading, what's the most or next most popular thing? Is it the lips? Eyeliner for me. Yeah, eyeliner. I would say yeah, eyeliner. Really People are just scared of eyeliner. My eyes start watering just even thinking about that. <laughs> we've both had it done. Well, we've yeah. had everything tattooed on our faces. So. so your lips are tattooed? Yeah, mine wow. are tattooed. Just a bit of gloss on yeah. over the top. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They look great. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Did you do them yourself? <laughs> Um, I have gone over mine myself. Yeah, I've yeah, tested right. that out. Um, okay. I've done my eyebrows myself, but not my eyeliner. 
Okay. That's a little freaky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be tough to do, I think. Very tough. So is the eyeliner similar technique with the pen, ink? Do you, you presumably you don't numb or do you numb? You can numb a little bit, yeah. You can numb. Um, again, good technique and you should be okay. Yeah. But it's a fear factor with eyeliner. You know, people are just yeah. scared of it to lie down and it's your eyes and, yeah. you know, but um, really it's it's a very delicate technique because the eyelid's not that, that thick, you know. Yeah. So you're point, what, two five, two of a mil, yeah. something like that. Yeah. I think the thing is with eyeliner, um, it actually tickles the procedure tickles particularly on the inside of the eyes and I find when I have mine done the thing that hurts the most is the stretching of the eye yep so the way the they cleaning kind of, yeah the cleaning so the wiping so the actual tattooing itself is quite easy but it's yeah once they kind of stretch and then you wipe over the eye with a wipe it it feels a little uncomfortable. I've got a really dumb question. And we did a <laughs> podcast uh, on makeup with uh, Bonnie, but where is the eyeliner going exactly? I mean, that depends on the style, but you can go right through the base of the lashes. Mm -hmm. So you pretty much want to follow from lash, lash to lash. You don't want to go too far in. Okay, that was my question. Yeah. Do you go all the way in? No. Okay. No, you want to avoid tear duct and you don't want to join. So okay. back in the day, there was a lot of artists that just joined the top and the bottom together. And then they had what's um, migration. migration. So they'd have a blob of ink. It looks that like just you've been in jail. There. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. It's like one of the teardrop yeah. tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And People that's really dangerous too. Yeah. That can cause corneal abrasion, can't it? Pretty yeah. bad if you if you join those two. Okay. So there's definitely limits. So it helps if people have a fuller lash, otherwise it can look a little freaky mm. if you've just got a straight line and, and yeah. one on the bottom. What about the girls who's sort of going for that sort of exotic a little flick. sort of little flick on the end? Can you do that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, for me, I tend to pick someone who's got more of an oriental eye. Yeah. Like my eyes, if I put a flick on there. Wouldn't work. Nah, I've got the frog <laughs> eyes. <laughs> well, you can, what, what's the Yorkshire look? There must be it. <laughs> the farmer look. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, you've got to be careful because if you're putting wings on people and they're aging, you're going to get one wing going down, this yeah. side going up. So again, you know. Sensible. Yeah. Keep it within the eye. So... What do you do if it all goes wrong? So you're halfway through a procedure. Maybe we'll just make this. We'll say this is hypothetical. This has never happened to you guys. But let's <laughs> let's assume assume it's happened to someone. How, what do you do if you've screwed up a design? It hasn't turned out the way you thought. The client wasn't happy with the way it turned out. How do you? Is it fixable? Is it like, well, sorry, that's that is what it is. Or? Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's fixable. So there is a product called um, is it saline removal or lift, um, which is just a salt saline with lemon and other fruit extracts. And if you can uh, put that on at the time of the tattoo, um, normally it won't heal in. So you can put a mask of this stuff on, leave it for 10, 15 minutes. If you've done, if someone's done eyebrows bad, leave the mask on, and then in the next few days it won't actually take into it's the like skin. Mm. This is yeah. amazing. What's it, what, what, can you just sort of say that again? Um, it's it? called Lift. Or, well, that's one of the brands of it. Yeah. It's just a saline, salt saline. Mm, right. Yeah. Um, so it's your get out of jail free card. Yeah. Okay. But if you tattoo well, you shouldn't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, but it's always nice to know you've got something there. If yeah. You're having a bad day. <laughs> yeah. I've had yeah. my eyebrows lasered off as well. Um, so I was um, the unfortunate... Uh, blue eyebrow person. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I had someone really butcher my eyebrows, and yeah, I've had several lesson, uh, several sessions of laser tattoo removal, and right. um, I'd really rather give birth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was intense. 
And yep. how many sessions did you have to go through? Well, I had three and then I've done some tatter removal sessions myself. I use a different product to Nicole mm. um, and they weren't completely lightened, but they were lightened enough that I was able to sort of go over get a bit it. of work done on them. Yeah. Yeah. And was it the same sensation as say laser hair removal or is it much more intense? Um, I've had laser hair removal done for me personally, it was much more intense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I do that with a Q switch laser, I think. Is it like yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. It's like it just goes bang, bang, bang yeah. as it hits you. Yeah. Yeah. And Very, then the little air conditioner piece. Yeah. So it's side. delivering the energy and a, a, lot, a lot faster than like a hair removal laser. So it's a lot more painful. Right. Yeah. Okay. You've got to be careful though, because some uh, tattoo inks, they have a lot of titanium in them. So when you're hitting them with that laser, they can go darker, blacker. So you're going to say they might blow up. <laughs> <laughs> Explode. Yeah. Um, that's where saline's really, really good. Yeah. Because saline just works on any color and it's just pulling it out with the salt. Okay. Yep. So how do people, so you've done, so we've, we've sort of, uh, spoken about pre-procedure so you're planning what you're going to be doing a little bit of local anesthetic you do what you need to do what's the recovery process like for a person how do they what do they do when they get home how do they care for it how do they avoid complications like i'm assuming things like infection are a very real possibility and can ruin everyone's day mm -hmm. how, how, what's the recovery process like and what can people do to I mean, for me, it change, it's changing all the time. <laughs> a few years ago, I was having a certain cream and then it was keeping it dry and now we're washing a little bit and now it's minimal cream. Yeah. So it actually keeps changing. We're, we're learning every six months that there's a new cream coming in and there's a new product. But my aftercare currently is that they don't get exaturated in water. So no swimming, excessively wet in the shower, a little bit of cream and just cleaning the surface a yeah. little bit because it's still a wound. Pretty much. And I've yeah. also, in my cell, and I've got a uh, Omnilux light yes. yep. and I say to clients, you don't have to, but you know, you get a discount if you want to go underneath that light. And every client that's been underneath that light has almost healed by the time they've walked out the, the door. Omnilux. It's, the uh, best. it's amazing. Absolutely yeah, amazing. We do it a lot in our clinics for after injectables, helps with bruising, swelling. Yeah. yeah. It's great. I yeah. do it just when I'm tired, don't I? I just go for a little lie down. Yeah, yeah. It's like, where's Jake? There's five patients yeah. waiting. He's under the light. And yeah. So I find that that works a real treat. And particularly if I've got sensitized skins or something like that, if they go underneath that, I've had better color retention and healed results when my clients do that, definitely. Well, presumably the quicker you can remove inflammation, which is then going to create a bit of scar and maybe the ink won't sit right that kind of makes sense right yeah yeah what are the potential things that can go wrong because we sort of probably haven't done our job properly if we haven't asked you guys all <laughs> the, the potential side effects complications so i'm assuming of aesthetics um is a big one but what are the other things that can potentially go scarring wrong? corneal abrasions mm -hmm. um hyperpigmentation yep yeah um migration yeah, yeah, migration. So where sort of bleeds where and loses, bleeds, loses yeah. definition. Yeah, yeah. drip. Um, obviously, infection. Yeah, would be one of them. There's lots. Like it's actually a lot more involved than yeah. what people think that it is. Mm. Well, Feels like it's been a little bit trivialised a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Because your results are permanent, or, or yeah. as you've said. So my reputation is out there for everyone to see, judge, or same as injectables. But I guess you could dissolve that. Well, it amazes me because, you know, a lot of the clients that I see may have had, say, microblading or mm -hmm. whatever, and yet their fear of doing injectables, which is definitely not permanent, mm. overrides what they've mm -hmm. already done, a tattoo on their face. Yeah. Yep. So 
yeah, it's just amazing to think of it from that perspective. I encourage a lot of people. I mean, giving, telling, sending people to uh, get injectables is a big part of our industry as well. Because if you've got um, a big discrepancy between the muscles and you're trying to put an eyebrow in there, I'll always say get some boat. <laughs> we didn't finish the word. We actually could probably continue. Actually, we'll go yeah. and, and, uh, wrinkle injections. Yeah, yeah. Get yeah. some wrinkle injection, anti wrinkle injections, um, and yeah. So, so the two industries are definitely well matched. Yeah. 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 If Absolutely. you're wondering what just happened, we're not allowed to say naughty words like <laughs> medical names. <laughs> almost, almost, almost got there. Close. Um, so, what would your advice be for a? Um, people who are looking to get into this industry and seek this out as a profession in terms of training, development, making sure that they are going to be someone that's legitimate and is able to offer a a good, safe service for their clients. And then the other side, which is how do clients seek out the right people? Because everyone can put up great photos. Really good question. Um, You know, not everyone's going to put up all their failures. Um, How do you, how do you navigate that? From both, from both sides. Maybe you guys can answer one of those questions each. Sorry. <laughs> so maybe with the education side, um, I'm really passionate about ongoing education and not just signing up for a three to five day course and then that's it for the year. Yeah. And if people are like, oh, I can't afford more. Well, you know what? Go get a second job and then pay for more education because education, we're just constantly learning. Things are changing and it's really difficult because here in Australia, most courses are done in a really short period. So I think it's important that potential students be really open to Um, having in their budget, going and do some courses with quite a few people straight away. Yes, that's probably a more expensive way to do it, but heck, you're working on clients' faces. So, you know... Permanent outcomes. yeah, Yeah, you've really got to know and understand how to deal with these situations and different skin types. And, you know, over a five-day course, can you tell me that you've worked on 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 year old skins in that time, seen the follow-ups in six weeks' time? No, it yeah. is not possible. Yeah. Sorry, I'll get off my high no, horse No, that's now. great. I mean, this is what people want to hear. They want to know how, you know, how to yeah. do it properly, right? So this is why Nicole and I started the conference permanent cosmetic culture that we're hosting here in Sydney in November this year because we've been traveling the world seeking out these conferences and God, I love Australia, but we're really quite behind and we're trying to, well, we're not trying, we are, we we're bringing something to Australia that we actually need. Like Nicole and I need it, other artists need it. And this is an event where it will really help um, give you loads of content educational purposes, networking and creating your own tribe as well. Because in our industry, I don't know for you guys, it's really lonely mm. and it can be quite bitchy. Am yeah, I allowed yeah. to say yeah. that? It's yeah. true. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, we're just trying to create a bit of a community where we can all learn off each other and inspire, off, you know, yeah. be inspired. And That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Well done. And that's something that Jake and I talk about a lot as well is just the industry coming together rather than trying to throw stones at each other when something goes wrong. It's like, well, when something goes wrong, people just go, the whole industry is bad. Yeah. People, the consumers are bombarded with so much information. They don't know 
the yeah. you know the new nuances and particulars of your industry. So I was like, let's come together and form a community I and agree. learn from each other. And the thing is, you know, what we're putting on is different to what's been done in the past. So people have been like, oh no, I can't go to that because I've already been to this. And I'm like, well, no, ours is a PMU slash beauty slash business conference. So we're covering it all. We're not just focusing on one area because you can be a fantastic artist, but you may be a really rubbish business owner. Yeah. So, you know, we're just trying to um, encourage everyone to be the best version of themselves that they can be. Yep. That is awesome. And for the patient seeking out <laughs> the right person, how do they do that? Um, okay. Like what, would, what advice would you give to a friend? Um, I would say look for healed results. Mm. Yeah. So nothing that's just, if it's just work that's fresh, um, that, that doesn't really uh, indicate that what you're going to be living with. So always healed results, obviously some good um, reviews and a nice looking website, you know, um, good socials, just something that looks like there's a lot of effort there. Um, but definitely it's got to be the healed results. That's what's super important. But Healed results, I agree 100%, Nicole, but not just on 20-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. all know, ages too. All ages. Yeah, if you're sort of, you know, 65 or whatever and you're looking for a certain type of brow, find the artist that's doing that brow because if you find an artist that's doing a lot of younger clients for a, a strong, uh, trendy sort of look, you're probably going to end up with that and it's not going to be suitable right. for, okay. for you. Perfect. So remind us of the conference name and how do people sign up and go? So we are Permanent Cosmetic Culture um, and you can find us on Instagram, PCC underscore conference underscore Australia. Yes. Yeah. Two day event in Sydney, November 8th and 9th and covering all things PMU um, and beauty and business. Cool. Yes. And how much are the tickets? So tickets for two days, um, all food, you get your gala, you get up to 20 um, international speakers is 2,800 um, and that's on your super early bird deal at the moment that also comes with free accommodation and 100 off that's pretty good free yeah. accommodation yeah oh, yeah that's yeah. great nice. and how do, how do people seek you out individually if they want to talk further ask questions potentially sure for so um i'm at pro cosmetic tattoo <laughs> in brisbane and i'm beauty effects cosmetic tattoo in toowoomba okay now i know we haven't asked you this before so um, on the fly is there any offers that you'd like to put out there for any inside aesthetic listeners promotional code or anything that they if they listen to this podcast they sure so if anyone sends me a message and has listened to this i will offer a complimentary omnilux light Whoa. after okay. their cosmetic tattooing procedure okay. that's definitely Perfect. worth it <laughs> yeah excellent thank you guys so much for thank flying you. in your time and your expertise and we will catch up in the near future. Thank you. Thank hey, good you. luck with your conference. I'm sure it'll be a success. Maybe, maybe we'll drop Can't by. wait to see you there. Birthday <laughs> celebrations. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Have care. a safe trip back home. Thank, Thank you. you. Today's episode of the podcast was brought to you by BTL Aesthetics. Yes. Yeah, so we were discussing the M-Seller device at the start of the episode. And really, this is designed to improve the function and also the strength of the deep pelvic floor muscles. So it's particularly useful for women in relation to their intimate health. Well, men too, really. Things like urinary incontinence and so on. Yeah, absolutely. And also sexual function. So the way it does it is you sit on a chair, looks like a bit like a big chair, and it sends powerful mag magnetic signals to the pelvic floor muscles. So same technology as the M-Sculpt machine that we were discussing last week. 
and that basically creates lots and lots of thousands of uh, involuntary contractions of the pelvic floor muscles, a bit like the Kegel exercises that you might do with a physio if you've got that sort of problem. And there's no embarrassing nakedness, you can do it fully clothed, right? Fully clothed, uh, you could do it in front of people, there's no pain, you wouldn't know anything, it just looks like you're sitting on a slightly big chair. Like a commode. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do a live video of this yes. of you doing your kegels um, <laughs> nice. and uh, get this onto one of our stories on Instagram soon. Excellent. So for anyone wanting more information on the M Seller or any of the other machines that BTL sell and distribute, head on over to uh, www.btlaesthetics.com. For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at inside underscore aesthetics. During the week before every recording, look out for our Instagram stories as we'll give you the opportunity to submit your questions to our guests and get a shout out. You can also DM us for any other information, suggestions or guest requests.